Okay, so I would say for probably 18 months, if not maybe even a little longer, you've talked about us doing a video on synthetic gospel. Um, I know you've mentioned to me several times. I know that you've probably mentioned this idea or probably some of the problems surrounding this idea in, who knows, half a dozen messages during that time, mm -hmm. you know? Um, for a launching point, I'm going to read a few verses. And then I just want to give you, let you kind of introduce everyone to what we're talking about. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that had called you, Where you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. This is Galatians 1, and this is verses, 1, verses 6 through 12. Yeah. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you that and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then, let, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. I added these two verses because I thought it was relevant. For I do now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify, brethren, the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for neither received I of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. A reason I wanted to add those two verses, because I thought it was so pertinent when it came to the motivation of why some men are preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. All right, so you know, I want to go ahead and just let you launch, because I know this is stuff that you've thought a lot about, and I wanted to give you kind of a platform here. Yeah, the gospel. Um, I'll add another verse that's really important along these lines. <clears throat> but first of all, the gospel to be defined, let's see, uh, the best definition of the gospel would be given in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, and mm -hmm. I can probably quote it. Paul just defined the gospel that he, see, this here says the gospel that, that ye have received, verse 9. Mm -hmm. And that's the gospel that Paul preached. He said the gospel that I preached, the gospel that you Receive. Well, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I declare the gospel, the gospel that I've declared unto you. Mm -hmm. is that, did I word that right? Sounds the gospel I've declared unto you, the death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah, how that yeah. Christ died yeah. for our sins, was buried according, uh, and rose the third day according to the scriptures. Yep. Uh, that's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, that's the glad tidings or the good news of, um, let me turn this down, of Jesus Christ. Well, so that's the definition of the gospel. Let's look at another place before we, at the little launching point, if we can go to 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians. But you know where I'm going, don't you? Mm -hmm. At the end, he said, I, uh, because this really jumped out at me one day. Um, he says in 2 Corinthians 11, oh, this is starting verse number 3. He said, but I fear, lest by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve, through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That's how sim the simplicity in Christ. Mm -hmm. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if we receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, watch this, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. You know what Paul's saying? Somebody's going to come along and they're going to 
twist that gospel, mm -hmm. and they're going to say they're proclaiming the gospel, yet it's not the gospel that I preached. And here's what I fear. It's such a subtle little thing. You might put up with him. Yeah. Now, when we talk about the gospel, notice he says here, though, another Jesus. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with that one because you've got what I would call a cult-like setting would be a Church of Christ. Okay. A Church of Christ elders going to preach another gospel. Yeah. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church will preach what's, what we would all, anyone in, in Orthodox uh, settings would say that is, that's another gospel. One that's Pentecostal will yeah. preach another gospel. They're clearly adding works to the gospel of Christ. And they've got the right Savior, I think. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to say, that's not my Jesus, my Jesus, that, you know, that kind of thing. My Jesus, his blood is sufficient. I know we can say that as a preaching point. Uh, the Jesus of the Bible, his blood is sufficient to cover all our sins and things like that. We don't have to add works and labors to that to mm -hmm. get acceptance with God. Well, uh, I'm just going to assume they've got the right Jesus. The Jesus. I, I believe every Roman Catholic church, here, here's the thing. You've got to ask yourself. What Roman Catholic doesn't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? What Church of Christ pastor or elder doesn't believe mm -hmm. in the death, burial, and re all of them do? Yeah. Same with the UPC. Uh, one is Pentecostal kind of stuff. Okay. Well, they do. They've got the right Savior, Joel. Yeah. They've got the wrong method. Help me with my wording here. Is it the wrong method of appropriation? of the gospel, the wrong, um, it's a false gospel. The right savior, the wrong appropriation, the way to, how do you put the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on your account on, to cover your sin record? So the context of Galatians would be that Paul is admonishing a church who has fallen prey to adding essentially Jewish doctrine or the law or Judaism to Christianity. And this is all based around events that will then be revealed later in Acts chapter 21 when Paul, against the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes to Jerusalem um, against the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why I said inspiration. But against the leading of the Holy Spirit, goes to Jerusalem, and James meets him and wants him to kind of almost... What would you say? Like he's kind of like not bend the knee, but definitely there's some sort of like service that he needs to give to the Jews that are in Jerusalem at that cater, time. Cater to them. Yeah, he's catering to them. Okay, so and his whole hangup is that Paul is going around teaching people that they don't have to keep the law anymore. James is upset by this, and James is the leader of the church. What you would call leader, he's the biggest. He's the pastor of the biggest church and all of Christendom at this time, right? Mm -hmm. He's this authority figure. Well, then these people from James come to Galatia, and Paul says they're prying out to pry out the liberty that God has given them and basically start telling these Gentiles that they need to keep the law and all this other stuff, right? I don't know that the lead-in about the other gospel is not a direct attack against that. And when you think about what has happened to Christianity... In the additions, it's always believing in Jesus Christ is never enough. It's always I add this and I add this. and I, So I'm adding sacraments or I'm adding works or I'm adding baptism, right? 
you're kind of falling into the same problem. So there's a divide within Christianity from the very get-go between a works-based uh, a works-based religion and a faith-based religion, and where to put works into all of this. Now I think James kind of rectifies that in the book of James, I think later on, but when I think of synthetic gospel, I think of the same idea of if I had a machine gun in the year 100 AD, I'd rule the world. But the reason why a man can't rule the world with a machine gun anymore is because everyone has a machine gun. Mm -hmm. When we were the only one with the atom bomb, everyone feared us. Well, now everyone has an atom bomb, so an atom bomb is useless. And it's the same thing of the dilution of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When a guy like Joel Osteen gets up and he gives what's probably pretty close to um, the same thing that a guy at a First Baptist Church would say, come and believe and receive Jesus Christ, right? He's I don't think he's ever said that. Well, he may not have, <laughs> but what I'm talking about is these pop, what I would call celebrity preachers. Yeah. You're really diluting the gospel to almost nothing. You're making it almost nothing at all because you have put it on this mass appeal, um, raise your hand, repeat this prayer, say these words after me, and that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't, I think that's what I think of when I talk about a synthetic gospel. I think about a gospel that has been synthesized to be accepted by all men. I am taking the gospel of Jesus Christ and I am diluting it and diluting it and diluting it to the point where it's just water and anybody, anybody is a Christian, right? Well, if Joel Osteen ever said, believe and receive Jesus Christ, that would be the right words to say exactly. if you're giving. I've never heard him say anything close to that. But like I, I said to you, a Roman Catholic, mm -hmm. and I'm not here to pick on Catholics, but the Catholic Church obviously uh, is, is not um, going to tell you how to get eternal life. Um, but believing, that's, that's the head belief. You just believe, giving mental assent to the historical fact that Jesus Christ lived an earth, and had an earthly ministry, was crucified, and even rose again the third day. Giving mental assent to that is belief, but it's not saving belief. It's head belief. It's vain belief. Every, yeah. The devils believe and also mm -hmm. tremble, the Bible says. So that, that's how do I make the gospel affect me unto personal salvation? Now, um, notice the when I say appropriation, maybe a better term would be assimilation. When I drink this water, I assimilate this water. Notice the cement, notice the, the phraseology that Jesus uses in um, oh John 4, mm -hmm. the woman as well, uses water, says, he that taketh of the water that I give them shall never thirst again. I think, is there another place in the Bible where does it say, he that uh, come unto me and drink of the water of life freely. Did I say that right? Uh -huh. <laughs> anyway, assimilation. That's how you receive him, just like you would take in a, it's intentional, and you are receiving what he gave you. John chapter 6. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. He is, that, is the, that is the method of appropriating the saving benefits of Jesus Christ to yourself. You take him in. Now, uh, Lord knows, the Roman Catholics take that literally, and only through study would you ever know that that's not a, a literal thing. Well, yeah. But when it comes to New Testament 
This is where I have a problem. <laughs> Let's talk about Baptists for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the Church of Christ. Look, you know what the Bible says concerning the gospel? If it's in Second Corinthians chapter four, I think. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Mm -hmm. If a person cannot see what the gospel is, Paul just told you what the gospel is, and the gospel that he preached is the gospel whereby we are saved. Mm -hmm. And if you want to use stronger wording, then there's a lot stronger. The Baptists are guilty of throwing the word saved around as if it's the strongest salvation term. term. Yeah. Justification would be a much stronger mm -hmm. salvation word, or redemption. Those are real strong. That justification is a legal term. Redemption has to do with being the purchased possession of Christ. It's very simple what I'm about to say here because we don't want our minds corrupted from the simplicity which is in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Um, why? What would? This is my question. Let's deal with Orthodox. Let's, let's deal with Baptist. Mm -hmm. I am hearing Baptist preachers more than ever before, fail to use biblical terminology when it comes to the simplest thing about how a person, um, rece uh, well, receive is one of the, the Bible words, when a person benefits, actually gets the benefit of New Testament salvation from what Jesus Christ did, how does he appropriate, appropriate that to himself? Here's a Bible word for you, receive Christ as your Savior. Yeah. That's... John chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you receive him? That, that opens up another, the Roman Catholics say, yeah, I receive him. I put away from put him away from and him swallow it, it and yeah. I take the cup. And no, you receive him by faith. Yeah. Okay, that's very clear in the scripture. And we, this is not a, so much trying to teach salvation right now as we are trying to expose something that really does need to be um, uh, done away with. Because we got this. What, oh, here's a better, well, not a better, but another salvation term is trust. Yeah. Let's look at Ephesians real quick. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, I, I gave the correct reference to receive. To receive Christ is to receive the benefit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, let me see here. Where did I say? Ephesians, Ephesians 1. Um, because the gospel is, includes the resurrection. In other words, what you just said, you used uh, Osteen mm -hmm. and your other modern evangelicals that are very popular, yes. mainstream stuff. Um, a lot of folks, you ask them, what do you, what do you believe about salvation? Well, you know, I believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. okay. I know, I'm not trying to be, there's a practical element to all this, but there's a very technical element. Just believing in Jesus. What about the gospel? What, what is the gospel? Just believing in Jesus does not encompass the gospel. Yeah. The resurrection is necessary for salvation. You must believe in the resurrection. Did Paul not say, if Christ be not risen, our faith is what? In vain. It's in vain. Mm -hmm. It's empty. It, it, it does not benefit you at all. So uh, just believing in Jesus. And, and people, I know probably if you press someone practically, they would. I shouldn't have to extract that out of a person, though. I think that you've got, okay, so this is my take on. And when you're done, I want to quote here from Ephesians pretty. Uh, quote, quote, your, quote this passage first, and then I'll go on a little run here of stuff, because you've said a lot, and I want to kind of add to it. Well, um, okay, let me just quote this real quick, though. Uh, this, is, uh, these are, this is salvation lingo right here. Um, oh, I'll pick up on about, oh, 
I mean, he speaks of an inheritance and things. This is salvation. I mean, this is Pauline epistles here. And he says to those at Ephesus, uh, look at verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first did what? Trusted in Christ. I'm going to tell you something. That's, that's a stronger salvation term than believe. Because belief could, you've got to determine, is it heartfelt trust in his finished redemptive work and in the gospel of Christ? Or yeah. is it just a vain head belief? The Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Romans 10. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that what? God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So mm -hmm. just believing in Jesus is not... The person may be saved and just not articulating well, but if you're preaching the gospel, you need to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it, that's, that's heartfelt trust. That's heart belief. Um, and that's what, what it is here. Who first trusted in Christ, verse 13, in whom also, I'm sorry, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. In other words, the, the word is of the seed, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that you believed, what happened? You were sealed with mm -hmm. that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and the praise of His glory. I'm saying this: if you're going to use, if you're going to give a gospel presentation, you need to use Bible lingo. You receiving Christ, or trusting Christ, or believing on Christ. Now we're going to get to something in a minute. Uh, you say what you will, but we're going to get to what the synthetic gospel that's permeating all of this area here. I see it on Facebook. I see it on YouTube. Sermon audio, hearing gospel presentations by Baptist churches. And it is a man-made gospel, or may we say synthetic gospel, and we'll get to that in a moment. So... This is what, when you said that thing about Joel Osteen, about if he had said something this way, mm -hmm. this is what I thought of when I was going through and writing some things down, because I wanted to have a launching pad for what we were going to talk about today. Um, he says this, and I think this is really imperative. In Jeremiah 5, he says, if they say, speaking of the prophets of that time, the Lord liveth. Mm -hmm. God said, surely they swear falsely. He said, if you told the truth, it would be a lie. Mm. And that's where I think this stuff is. Mm -hmm. It's that because of the mouthpiece, and it's, we run into this constantly, whether I'm going to try to talk about, um, I have a premillennial view of Scripture, and I have a view, well, who, who all is, you look that up online, and it's going to be, some apostolic church, right, who is going to be teaching on this. It's probably a lady, right? And everything that she's going to present is going to be false. And then she's going to lay out a pretty basic framework of dispensational thought that she probably got from a Clarence Larkin book. And she'll have some Clarence Larkin charts up, right? And then somehow I'm connected to that because I believe that there's going to be an actual rapture before we go into the tribulation. Mm -hmm. Somehow we are now, we're the same thing. This happened to me one time when I was like, I think 16 or 17, okay? I'm talking to two young boys. They're on bicycles. We're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm witnessing to them. They go to the First Baptist Church of that town, right? Both of those boys are lost. They know they're lost, and I asked them, have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Mm -hmm. And their thing to me is, well, if all we're going to do is pray, I've already done that. Yeah. 
And that's the problem that I have when I look at it because what I feel like I've come out of is you have 200 kids in a room, and I've given this example a dozen times. So I'll say, use it again. 200 kids in a room, raise your hand if you want to be saved. If you want to be saved, or not even raise your hand. If you know that you're lost today, repeat this prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. Right. And if you prayed that prayer and you believed it in your heart, you're saved, right? Mm -hmm. And one out of every 200 might genuinely get saved, but the rest of them got no chance. Right. Be and I can say all of the right words. I can say received, and I can say believe, and I can because most of the time the people that were doing that come from a strong fundamentalist background. These are not wild heretics that are teaching you that you have to, you know, give alms to the church to get your kid your kid out of hell. Like that's not what's going on. These are people that have the Bible. They believe the Bible, but they're using tactics that are diluting the word of God to nothingness. I can get my son to pray a prayer right now for salvation. I can probably get every one of my sons, and my sons are eight, five, and three, and I can probably get every one of them to pray a prayer of salvation, especially the oldest two. They're not ready yet. They're not. And that's what I say, like, this is my problem. There, there are words in this Bible, and then there's, there's the meaning of them. There is zero chance you are going to find something. The salvation of Abraham doesn't look anything like you're in my salvation, and our salvation is based on his salvation. And they don't look anything alike. He's believing on God to give him a promised land and an inheritance seed, and that belief is good enough to save his soul. Right? He believed the revealed promises of God. He believed in the word of God that he had at that time. James is the pastor of that church, and he's reprimanding Paul for not telling Christians to keep the law. That was the whole thing in Acts chapter 21. Now, does that guy not believe on the thing? He's going to die for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He absolutely does. It's the same thing with Apollos. Apollos, the only thing he understands is that John showed up on the scene and said, that's the Lamb of God. That's all he's got. But that's enough for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be preaching to others about Christ. Mm -hmm. So my problem is not that a guy's got the right word of it. I don't trust the spirit of these men. And I think they're false prophets filled with a false spirit. And they are being tools of the devil to deceive men and keep them from Christ. And that, back to your verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, blinded by who? Satan. The God of this world. Right, right, right. And I'm telling you, i got a problem with that. Mm. You Ask someone about the Bible issue, you're never going to hear about the devil. Ask someone about the history of the church, you're never going to hear about the devil. Right. Ask someone about the salvation of a soul that Jesus Christ said he's going to show up every time and he's going to try to take that seed away lest it could have root. And you'll never hear about the devil. Well, the devil is definitely involved in the salvation business. He, if you get close to salvation, you're close to Satan. Because how many folks have you heard say, I've, I've prayed a prayer. Mm -hmm. I've, prayed, I've prayed the prayer. I can't find that anywhere in Scripture. Yeah. But I don't want, do sinners pray? Of course. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's a fine line between a sinner's prayer and a sinner praying. Yeah. Uh, 
I like giving people closure. I will offer a prayer. You know what's missing in all this? What you said, the scenario with the 200 children, mm -hmm. um, preparation. What did John say? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. There, if there's the proper amount of plowing the field, you know, think of all the, the physical examples that Christ gives, plowing a field. Mm -hmm. For example, sowing seed, watering seed. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. That's what it, it takes a little bit of a keenness on the uh, preacher's part to know where a person's at if he can receive the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And there whereby we're saved. Gee, uh, did it, who is it? Peter that said, um, what is it? Peter chapter 1, verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. Mm -hmm. which liveth and abideth forever. Uh, talking about the written word of God, not the incarnate word. But uh, So, man, that's a hunk of stuff. In other words, is what you're saying takes me to a thought of the devil's involvement. Again, any vacation Bible school, it's going on all over. Last summer, you know, telling how many people were mm -hmm. inoculated with the gospel yeah. enough to keep them from ever being saved by the gospel, by a vain belief a meant confirmation is another one. The, the um, dead orthodoxy, uh, Presbyterians, Methodists, mm -hmm. Episcopalians, Lutherans, all that stuff, they've got confirmation when you're 12 years old, given a mental assent. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is divine? Uh-huh. Do you believe he's the Son of God? Yep. Uh-huh. Do you believe that the Word of God, blah, 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 and a list of things. Now we're going to sprinkle you with some water. You're baptized. You are now a covenant child of God. And they'll equate that to their salvation is what they've done. Now, how can you ever get them saved? You won't be able to get them lost. Yeah. So that is a, that we must be, we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. So with that being said, it's going, we know it goes on in realm of dead orthodoxy. It's going on in Baptist churches too. I'll give you an example. Um, I don't know where, I guess I'd say it like this. Um, how about this? Uh, if you haven't heard of this, tell me. I, I, I get around, man. I'll, I'll pull up a, a local, there's local Southern Baptist churches in this Tri-County area. And some of them, I've got family. The reason I, I got interest, I've got family and friends that go to these churches. Yeah. And there's people, no doubt, in just like any setting, there are good people that love the Lord. But you'll hear a person, like a person's being baptized. And it's, uh, sometimes it's the youth ministers that are really doing this. Um, they'll, so-and-so is being baptized, so-and-so gave their life to Christ, and mm -hmm. everybody's just rejoicing. Yeah. Um, if a red flag does not come up, present itself with the phrase that I just said, yep. um, something is wrong with one's understanding of the Bible and, and the gospel and the presentation of the gospel. Someone, uh, kind of strong wording, but I'd say somebody needs to get out of the preaching business. I think the problem there, first of all, there could be underlying doctrinal issues, which we've talked at Osium in person. I'm just going to say, we will cover this Shouldn't later. Be in a Baptist church, though. I know, but covenant theology is everywhere now. But that, that doesn't involve works at all. They don't see the difference between conversion and salvation. They see no difference um, when they approach Scripture. 
They think the conversion of Peter is the salvation of Peter, not the confession of Peter is the salvation of Peter. Yeah. They have no way of dividing line between those things. So when they're saying, give your life to Christ, mm -hmm. that's what I would tell a Christian after, after they got saved. saved. Right. That's service, though. Exactly. They're not, they're not separating service from salvation. Service is work. You don't get saved by service. But think about it. That's all of Romans 9. That's their whole problem with Romans 9 is I can't separate service from salvation. Well, that's the, yeah, the covenant thing. Oh, boy, that's a hot to take. But that's what I'm saying. That's what's yeah. throughout the churches. Right. So when they say, give the Lord your life, the underlying problem with the Southern Baptist Church especially, like if you go to Blue Ridge or you go to... Man, hey, look, I the, the Baptist churches, the whatever people would say are rock solid, the colleges I visited and talked to those professors... Let me tell you two things. They don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. They don't believe you got it right here. They'll tell you they do. They'll, they? they'll give... Well, from the pulpit, what do they say? They'll, oh, we got the Bible right, but they don't believe that. And well, first of all, the professors aren't in the pulpit. They don't have any business being in there. But, but they're the ones that influence the past. Exactly. They're the yeah. ones that influence the preachers, and they're all Calvinists. Okay. Go ahead. Um, no, that's... Uh, yeah, there's definitely Calvinistic undertones that you've got to consider, and um, uh, I can spot that pretty quick with those buzzwords they use. <laughs> uh, but I like I, one of the guys that you're talking about. I know the live stream, like, we both know this person, okay? I'm not, mm -hmm. he's a good man. I've seen him do demonstrations where he's talked about the sovereignty and the will of God right. to children. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay. To children, okay? Now look, anyone else, I'm not, there's, all that guy is is a good young man who has been who has had one singular influence, and now it's gotten to the point where all of these churches can do is talk about the gospel because they can't help you in any other capacity. And I guess if you get tethered to uh, um, reformed yep. theology, that uh, that is the gospel. And that's a they, whole they, bracket. Gospel, you right. and me are talking about a very select version of that thing. Yeah, that, that, I don't know. Everyone, yeah. Every time I talk to somebody about that, they're always the version of Calvinism I'm not talking about. I understand. About. I understand. Uh, well, that's, <laughs> that's a portal of entry. That's a good topic, though. We'll hit it later. Discussed in detail. <laughs> uh, but, okay, into it. here's the thing. I'll hear this guy. Let's say First Baptist Church in any town. Mm -hmm. Okay, You're going to hear that. Yeah. You're going to hear... And a gospel invitation, you need to give your life to Christ. So-and-so is being baptized uh, and following the Lord in believer's baptism because they gave their life to Christ. Oh, wonderful. That's wonderful. No, that, am I saying that person didn't say, I don't know what that person believed and what happened. And if I was to take that person in his defense, uh -huh. if I was to sit down and talk to him across the, the table, table, coffee table, uh -huh. practically, he'd say, no, I, he's probably a saved man. I'm not saying these people are purposely being deceptive. I don't, I don't think I want to go there. I think that they have gotten so watered down and so used to, intuitively, they mm -hmm. want to please men. Yeah. Intuit now, they'll tell you, they probably fight you in that parking lot out there and to prove to you they're not man-pleasers. Man you yeah. understand? But the they, don't even they don't even invest enough energy to really consider how default they are to go in because it does sound a lot better when you can give something to God. Who's the who's give to say the man they're not pleasing right. isn't themselves? It might be because they're so wrapped up. Like, have you seen this before? I've seen this. Remember, we watched this video together about it was an end times video. I don't know. I think I sent this to you. It's four preachers. 
one's post-trib, one's pre-trib, one's mid-trib. Uh, uh, John um, Piper? It, yes, I believe so. And they're all going to talk about their salvation Wait at minute. the beginning of this. Is this an eschatology thing? Yes. They're all going to start. They just want to talk about their common ground in Christ, right? Uh-huh. It is the most diluted seven minutes of which no one on earth could ever be saved or understand salvation from because they are so carefully crafting their words because they're so wrapped up in their own soteriology surrounding this stuff. And like, dude, they are just, it's like, what on earth? You talk about muddy in the waters. I've never seen. If we ever get the ability to show these videos, I would love to let that be the seven minute intro Mm -hmm. to this video so that people could see what I'm talking about. You would walk away from it saying, no one there knows how to be saved. They're probably all saved, and not a single one of them could lead somebody to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Now, salvation is... Uh, why are you saved right now? Because of Jesus Christ. Because I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of my soul. But you don't know why I'm saved? And if I had to press you on that and be technical, would I say, does that include the resurrection of Christ? Of the course. Of Christ? So you saw yourself, how about this? I saw myself as a guilty sinner in yes. divine justice. I trusted Christ as my Savior. I put, best way I knew how, I went to Christ and asked Him to be my Savior. How about some of that? I mean, Here, it, it, here's no, what I would say. We talked about this before. There was a point of knowing everything about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I prayed a prayer before I got saved. I did too. I bet you it was very similar to the prayer I prayed when I got saved. Probably so. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? There was a point where I had to realize myself as lost. And listen, just like you had said, we talked about, if you had told me the price of salvation was cut off your arm, I would have done it. Yeah, sure. Me too. Like, you understand, like, that's the level of just, I'm, like, you can't, but you can't bottle that up, and I can't make it some prepackaged thing that everyone's going to accept. It's hard. I can't preach that. I can't preach that, that you've got to be saved like I did. I was willing to do anything when mm-hmm. I was saved, but I can't preach that because the Bible does it. The Bible just says if either God meant what he said or he didn't mean it. If you will believe on Jesus Christ, <laughs> you're saved. And I think there the gospel, is something the to it. Like Christ. It was literally anyone who was saying, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ at that time was putting their life in jeopardy because the Jews were going to hunt them down and kill them. It was not just this mental ascent. Now I can say I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ while I drink a beer at a strip club. Right. No, um, there's an element of surrender there. It's hard to define it. It's hard to articulate it. And I would mess it up if I tried. And I would confuse people if I tried. But there is an, an apprehension. The, the apprehension that keeps you from believing on him is, the ap- is that um, your own sin nature mm-hmm. and desire. And you know, you're, you know you're dying to self. Whether you, really, you, whether you know Galatians 2.20 or not, I'm yes. crucified with Christ, but you are. And so let me, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. When I speak of synthetic gospel, man, we got under synthetic lighting right mm-hmm. now. That's not the photons that the sun puts out out there, <laughs> right? But it's synthetic. It's man-made. It's a false light. Yeah. Yes. The gospel is the light, the light of the glorious gospel. <laughs> you got... Um, Folks now that in, in orthodox settings where there's a uh, the tenets of the Baptist faith are recognized at least you know, on paper, and these people are preaching works salvation. Now, if you press them on it in a practical sense or t- get technical with them, they'll tell you they're not, and they will deny it, and they pre- may make the appropriate adjustments and watch their tongue for mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks, but they'll default right back into that. 
I'm seeing it time and time again. And furthermore, Joey, even worse, what I'm about to, what I'm about to expose here, no one's blowing the whistle. Where are the people in the pews, the safe people in the pews, that would you think a church that has a thousand people, there's someone out there that knows enough scripture to stand up and blow the whistle and say that is a false gospel because you are advocating a person giving something to God mm -hmm. to get the salvation of God. Give your life. Your life is not worth giving to God to attain eternal life. That's not how you get favor, your acceptance and reconciliation with a holy God whereby you are at enmity with. You giving your life to God is not an acceptable sacrifice. How about this? Let's use Bible, very, very clear Bible lingo. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he, what's that next Gave. Word? He, yeah, wait a minute, so God's the one giving. Yeah. Did, what did he give? The best he had to offer, his beloved son. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, I think it's Romans 6, 23, maybe, the wages of sin is death, watch this. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Gift. Who's given? And why, when the Bible makes it so clear that Jesus Christ is the one giving, mm -hmm. why is someone telling you to give something, an, an offering to God that's yourself? What would make a man do that? I don't think they even understand it that way. This is going to be a rebuke. This would be the rebuke of anyone. They would say, yeah, but when I present the gospel, I use the verses you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And you yourself said that even though I might have used the wrong lingo, that person, if they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and they're trusting in Jesus Christ to save their soul, they are saved. Yeah, if they, if they do that, there's no doubt about that. Here's the problem. That person says, I'm, see, I listen to words. Words yeah. have meaning, and I listen to them. I'm sitting there, thank God no one ever told me that when I was 16 years old. Yeah. Give my life to Christ, because, buddy, here's what happens. You're sitting there, it happens every stinking day. It will happen, what's tomorrow, a Sunday? When is Sunday? I don't even know. Um, Sunday is going to happen. So okay. You've got somebody sitting there. So-and-so gave his life to Christ. Mm -hmm. oh, I need to give my life to Christ. I'm, the next thing you know, you got a youth rally going up. Everybody's emotional. You mm -hmm. triggered my emotions, and they appeal to those emotions. I'm having an overwhelming emotional experience because I know that I covet something righteous in yeah. my life. I'll go to the altar, too, and I will give myself to God. Mm -hmm. God, take my life. Okay, here's that's listen, that's what I did. Okay, yeah. I did that, I gave my life. Then you go to the pre preacher and say, I've given my life to the Lord, I surrender, I have some tears and all that stuff, right? I've done that because I've heard that's what you do. Yes, now I've done that. Here's, here's the problem two weeks later, if you're honest, what happens to my salvation? The life I gave to the Lord two weeks ago, I think I've kind of realized I've taken it back. Yep, I've not. And what, how much of my life do I have to give? Let okay. me ask you in this scenario, because this is important, and I don't think people realize, like, I am not a salvation, uh, I don't know, like a salvation Nazi. That's Man, you, Nazi you tell me that you're saved and you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to take you at your word and I'm believe what you say. Sure. And I'm going to even go this far. I'm going to let you say dumb stuff that doesn't make any sense doctrinally, mm -hmm. And I'm going to let you say it because I'm probably just going to be convinced 
this person just doesn't know any Bible. They haven't read any right. Bible. They haven't been taught any Bible. Mm. And they're just talking spiritual talk. They're trying to be spiritual. And that's a, that is them putting on a facade for me to let me know what I value and what I actually want is this righteous life. I just right. I don't know how to really operate in that arena yet. And so mm. I'm going to say these words that I've heard said before, sure. right? Sure. That's it. I have no problem with that. That's, right. what, that's what every... Your kid does that. He doesn't even understand it. A little boy wants to be a man, so he emulates firefighters, cops, construction workers, right? Soldiers. They emulate men, right. right? Because they want to be men. Young Christians emulate Christianity because they want to be mature Christians. And so I don't have any issue with that. That's what you're saying. It's kind of like the concept of a low resolution. Yes. Uh, to articulate your salvation. When I say low resolution, I'm thinking of an old, like a silent black and white film mm-hmm. <laughs> of the train rob- great train robbery. And that, notice how over the years, though, the resolution of uh, camera stuff with movies and pixels and surround sound get sharper and sharper and more clear. Now you can hear better than ever. You can see better than ever. Uh, the, the angles and the lighting and all of that stuff, the higher resolution. When I first got saved, how did I get saved? I received Christ as my Savior. Mm-hmm. I, try, I was painting a house. I, I put the best I knew how. I knew John 3.16. That's the only verse of Scripture I knew. I had ran from God for years. Mm-hmm. And God, the only work the Holy Spirit ever does in the life of a lost man is to reprove him of sin of, righteous, and of righteousness and of judgment. So I knew I was a sinner. The Holy Spirit did his job mm-hmm. getting me to lost. I took Christ as my Savior. My resolution was so dull and low, an old black and white yeah. fuzzy little silent film, I wasn't able to really articulate that very well. Mm-hmm. So I do understand that. But a pastor should never take me to baptize me and say, Kirby Tab gave his life to Christ. That don't do me any good. That does no one else good. That is irresponsible at best. Uh-huh. And at worst, it's deceptive. Most of these churches, how they're set up, right? Most of the churches we're talking about. There's a new pastor every three to eight years. Mm -hmm. The congregation selects the pastor, right? And through usually a committee or like like Methodist churches, you're just on a circuit, right? You're on a two-year circuit. You're just running your little circuit, Uh okay? And the better you do, the more you move up, the bigger churches you'll get, blah, 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 blah. So your size church determines what level of pastor you get. Mm -hmm. So with all that being said, we are what we build. The people in the pew can't criticize the pulpit because the people in the pew put the man in the pulpit. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, right. Like, if I've got a church that is based, very carnal, surrounded by um, low-resolution Christianity, then I'm going to have a pew that's very carnal and, sur- and is mostly has a very low resolution of Christianity. We talked about this time and time and time again. I'm just saying it to have the con- like. I'm just saying this. Most Christians today, the only interaction that they have with God is salvation. So the moment that you say something like, "This is how this will be interpreted," well, that's what I said when I got saved. So you're saying I'm lost, and now they're gonna hate. They're gonna reject. They're gonna pull back, and it's like. Well, maybe you should examine why it is that you don't know anything more from the time you got saved till now. Mm-hmm. Because maybe what you said when you... I don't even half remember what I said when I got saved. I told you this. I gave my testimony the other day. The moment that I said I'm lost, I saved. Because that was the only barrier of pride that there was, was my confession that I was lost. 
and needed a Savior. As soon as that transpired, I already believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I already believed that he had raised from the dead. I already believed that he was God in the flesh. I believed all of these tenets of the faith the same way that I believe I mean, the same way that you you would say that you you used to. I, I was about to say the same way I believe in our country. <laughs> I know that I do. But I remember when I was younger, when the when the national anthem would play, I would stop. You would immediately like put that. Like I really believed in this country when I was a kid, right? I believed all of those things, but I was lost with a belief, right? that some things were true, and it was constantly, I was in objection to those things. I knew that there was something that was out of sorts there. Like, So oh, the question I want to ask you, the guy who comes down who says, I take the Lord of my life, that guy's probably saved, but what he is, moments later, right, when you say like two weeks later, whatever it is, he is now eternally in the, struct the structure of insecurity about his salvation. Sure. It'll breed uncertainty and instability. You'll never. What about that kid two weeks later that realizes, oh, I gave some, of my, I took some of my life back. Mm -hmm. What does that leave myself? Well, he'll get saved again next yep. year at the ne next emotional experience, and he'll be as useless as a piece of Willie, wait, wait, it's useless as a piece of dental floss at a Willie Nelson concert. I've heard that before. That's good. Um, here you go. This is salvation. Uh, that's a dollar bill. You believe that. Mm -hmm. You know what that can do for you? It's legal tender. You know what it, you could acknowledge what it'll do for you, can't you? Yeah. Okay. And if I put that back in my wallet, does it do you any good? No. You believe it? Yeah. Okay. Salvation. The nuance of salvation is this. I offer this to you. You believe what it is. What if you reached forth and took it as your own? Yeah. How about that? That's salvation. You going to take it? You want the dollar or you want me to take it? <laughs> I'll take it back. I'm yeah. going to snatch it from you anyway when you reach for it. But hey, <laughs> if you reach forth and take it as your own, it's now yours. Jesus Christ is the same way. Giving mental assent to who he is is not saving belief. Acknowledging what he can do for you is not saving belief. You reach forth and you receive him as your own. You appropriate him to yourself. Yeah. How do you do that? Ask him to come into your life, into your heart and be your savior. Ask yeah. him to be your savior. You ain't got to say the words, just think it. It's that simple. Uh, so <laughs> here's the thing. And I see this. One church I'm thinking of, I see, I've seen many times. I'll, I'll fast forward their live stream just to watch their invitation mm -hmm. or at the beginning watch their baptism Yeah, to see what they say. The pastor, when he gives an invitation, the pastor, you know, he's an educated man. I guess that means something. Um, he'll use the proper semantic. He'll, he'll talk, Bible talk. Okay. Say, Trust Christ as your Savior, or come believe on. You need to believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior, or receive Him as your Savior. Yes. He knows that. The problem is his youth pastor saying that stupid stuff, and he's letting him do it. Yeah. Now either he is afraid of the possibly the the politics that would uh, in the church, or don't care, or don't know any better. 
I think that what the yeah. underlying thing with all of this is, is I say that, mark the man. You mark the man that minimizes what I'm saying and deflects what I'm saying. Yeah. When I'm exposing, you mark him. If you once you're presented with that, can you concede? Ask anyone if you could ever have a chance to talk with someone, saying, "Hey, I've noticed you've done this and this and this." If they can't acknowledge that that has a ripple effect that is damning and dangerous, if they minimize that and excuse it away and keep on doing that, then we're dealing with something else. Well, I think that people don't realize how much of this is... Uh, I, look, I have no idea what church you're talking about. I don't. I have no idea where it is or what, what it is, blah, 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 blah. This is what I know. People get into patterns of talking, and the pulpit is no different. The guy that's probably saying the right words, he's saying the right words because he's a little older, and maybe when he started saying those words, he was probably a little bit closer, or Christianity was a little bit closer to what the actually the Bible says. The new guy is saying words. He doesn't think, he has no mental assent to those words. He's just saying words. And he's heard other people say them. Exactly. He is repeating a pattern of words that he has been taught and that's all it is. If your favorite best-selling author, mainstream preacher, says the same thing, why should it be a problem? And nobody in the pew can differentiate why that would be a problem, uh-huh. but everybody in the pew can't do what? Why can't, and, and we've talked about this before, I'll knock on a door, right? Someone comes and will say, that guy's probably, why can't he give me a testimony then? Why can't any of them give me a testimony? I'm going to tell you something. You can go all yeah, day long. Right. Either everybody's lost or everybody is just so Bible ignorant they have no possible... I don't know. I don't know which one it is. I know this. I know that when you are in that state of constant flux, it makes you the most ineffective witness you could possibly ever be. And that's where most of Christianity is now. Especially young Christians, if they're even in church, it is just a constant state of... Struggling with their own salvation, mm. even though they've been in church for 15 years and they've probably prayed to receive Christ 10 times. Yeah. You know, I got saved. It was about probably a good four years to finally get under some good Bible teaching to where my I just brought, I had a lot of questions about my salvation. I knew I was saved. I really had closure with that because internally the Holy Spirit of God really bears witness to that. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, it was such a relief. But understanding that in a way to articulate that and things like that, that came much later. So we've got to be patient. Let me give you a quote real quick. I, speaking of churches, because this might be a lot of the problem. This is just from last week, and I'm not going to mention the church. I don't care. But um, <coughs> i read to you some stuff here. Um, because I would say this, giving your life to Christ, it's like you're making God a snobby, uh, 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 sniffling little little wimpy God who, who just is really begging you to come to him on your terms. Yeah. Um, but when you got billboards, we got them in our county, look, uh, God loves you and things like that, okay? Mm-hmm. Look what I'm reading. This is from a Facebook post and, oh goodness, it, it goes on to talk about just a lot of, lot of things that are mushy and stuff and, and, and true, talking about the creator of the universe, just, just general things that all of us would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about this? Now, this is not talking to the body of Christ. This is talking to people that visit their Facebook site. No matter where you've been, 
what you've done or how you feel. God's love for you remains constant and unwavering. His grace has no bounds and His love knows no limits. Embrace His love that has, has the power to heal, uplift, and guide you through any challenge. challenge. Let it fill your heart with hope, peace, and the assurance that you are valued beyond, beyond imagination. So let's take a moment today to bask in this incredible truth. You are cherished, watch this, accepted, and treasured just as you are. Buddy, the Bible, we get off here. I want to ask you. The Bible says, the, I'll tell you who said it. The Bible says we are accepted in who? Christ. In the beloved. Yep. Only reason God's going to give you and me the time of day is because when He looks at us, He sees the righteousness of His beloved Son. We are in Christ. That's positionally and judiciously we have been placed in the body of Christ. The only reason we are accepted and we have access to the throne of grace is because there is a mediator with holes in His hands interceding for us. And to say that is irresponsible at best, deceptive at worst. Are we dealing with wolves in sheep's clothing or just stupid sheep? Anybody who's paying attention to what's going on in Christianity right now, um, and I'll use this guy's name because I think he's a false prophet. Um, Andy Stanley Stanley yeah. is having a conference. I think it's in North Carolina. Someone, One of my friends on posted this the other day. It is a pro-LBGTQ conference about the uh, direction of the church and, and like he's encouraging people who have children who are of that persuasion to come and wants to know now that guy is a false prophet as much as there is a false prophet mm. and i don't mind saying that paul says there's going to be false prophets sure. anyone who's got a problem with that let me send you the rest of the bible verses where it talks about the fact that there are grievous wolves that are going to enter into yeah, the church not sparing the flock right? not sparing the flock right. these are devils in sheep's clothing man i don't have any problem saying that right the problem with that is that what I'm doing, it's the same way that we've talked about this. Man, I've got something. This, this all, Hopefully I preached this long before. I was telling Chelsea this. I've got something, and it's about uh, three men tell the same story in the Bible. And it's called the, so, the, soldier, the, the soldier, the Salesman, and the Saint. And it, it showcases how each one of those individuals mm-hmm. handles a narrative that is in Scripture. And it's so revealing to see how these salesmen treat the Word of God. Mm. That is half a narrative. To say God loves you and to not say the rest of that chapter, Mm. that he that believeth not, the wrath of God abideth on him, is to do a disservice to that lost soul. And you are catering to them so that they accept you. And even if they accept you, they will never receive Christ because they accept you. And you're a false salesman. Yeah, that's good. Um, So... Yeah, that, that's a topic that, that, that seems to be so instantly rejected by even saved people can save people who are not really strong in their Bible will have a tough time with that concept. Does God love everyone? I ask you, does God love everyone? God loved everyone. He gave His Son. That's God's love. I think people don't understand God's love. They think God's love... Well, I'm asking love... you, does God love everyone now? I understand the past tense of John 3.16. What's for God so no. loved the world? But what? how is that word used? Is it? It's used as a verb. See, for God... Let me ask you this. For God so loved the world. Yes. Okay. Am I using this correctly? And I don't want to put you on the spot. If you don't know, you don't know. If I, is it... They had to put that word in there... 
It's kind of like you say to your kids, I love you so much. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it is not, how he loved them. In like manner, God yes. loved us. That's used other places in your Bible. I forgot where, I've got a bunch of stuff written down on that. Uh, how about this? Even so, husbands, husbands to so love your wives. Yes. That, okay, how? in this yeah. manner, this is how God loved mm -hmm. the world that he gave Christ. If you want God's love, it's found in Christ. Otherwise, you do not have his love. Yeah. There's no verse of scripture I would defy any man to find me a verse of scripture where God loves a lost sinner. I, I think that, so they'll go to Christ Romans Jesus. chapter 5 verse 8. But God commendeth his, his love, love toward no, us. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet, yet sinners, sinners, past tense, Christ mm -hmm. died, past tense. For He offered his love. The commendation of his love is his offering. It doesn't say he loves but sinners. But people don't he understand offers. love. They think love is an emotion. Right. And love isn't an emotion. I can In some love ways someone and be jealous. I can love someone and be angry. I can yeah. love someone and it's be joyous. I can love someone. It is a sacrifice. The sacrifice is the love of Jesus Christ. No greater love hath any man as this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Mm -hmm. Love is a sacrifice. The love of God is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But the same thing, like I said, you can't come away with this idea that God is in love with everyone and be consistent with Scripture because the same verse that tells you he's so loved tells you that if you don't believe on him, he'll put you in an eternal hell yeah. for all of eternity. John 3.17, I think is what you quote. Maybe 317. 3.36. 3.36, you're exactly right. It's 3.36. How about this? He that hath the Son hath everlasting life. There's yes. your love right there. He that hath not the Son, now I'm going to quote it like a modern evangelical. Yeah. Evangelical. He that hath not the Son shall not see, wait a minute, shall not see life, but God loves him anyway because he hates the sin and loves the sinner. Exactly. That's, that's so that's, silly. No, it says, but the wrath, wrath of, of God, God yeah. abideth on him. You don't have the love of God. It's the sinner that he puts in hell, not the sin. You say he hates the sin and loves the sinner. No, it's the sinner that he puts in hell. And well, I, and I think that there's, there's a, no one... No one understands. You don't have a panoramic view of Scripture. Why is God constantly pulling back from mankind? Why is it repenting God that he made man so much? He's got to destroy right. the world and start mm -hmm. all... Is it because of his undying love for mankind? Or unconditional love. I read it. Unconditional that post, love. That, that, that post right there said unconditional love. Mm -hmm. I promise you, you have just deluded God and changed his identity. His, his love is very conditional. The conditional qualifier for being a recipient of God's love is to be in Christ. Yes. You better find out how to get in Jesus Christ. And you don't get there by giving your life to him. You get there by receiving the life he gave for you. Like I said, most of this stuff, when you look at what is being propagated, and I know what, don't get caught up in the semantic. The semantic's not the problem. The Spirit's the problem that's behind the semantic. The semantic is a result of the Spirit that preceded it. There is a bad Spirit that has then permeated into the thoughts of mankind. And what is the... It's the same thing if you pull back generations. Generations. Let's just pull the wheel back. When I was a kid, the dispute in this country was should we allow gay marriage? That won and lost elections in this country mm. was the dispute for gay marriage. And now the dispute is, should we even imprison pedophiles and should we transition five-year-olds? 
And everyone who was in the pulpit who had any common sense said, you don't know where this ends. You're breaking down the most fundamental bedrock institution of mankind. And you're tearing that down. And the result of that has been un... Like, we've got more motherless or fatherless households, broken homes, divorces in this country. The institution of marriage is destroyed and means nothing. And because... That one of the basis of a society got broken. Mm. We're seeing an outpouring of nothing but brokenness. And now there's been this return to God. But I fear the God that people are returning to right now. If people are returning to the unconditional loving God, then why aren't we accepting every single pronoun that walks in and says, you be our pastor? At what point does it become another Jesus? It is another Jesus. See, that's where you... So what you're saying is that we can expect what we're seeing to crescendo into something worse. Absolutely. Um, We're seeing that. Do you understand that the thing you are criticizing is what would be considered the most fundamental churches in the most fundamental part of the country mm, that's broken. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And um, to, to you recognize that instantly as uh, that is very... In other words, here's the question. You've got uh, three, three children. Mm-hmm. Would you trust someone that talks that way not only to trust, would you trust your kid's salvation to go up to him and say, I would like to, I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. Can you show me what to do? Would you trust one of these people that I'm talking to? With I'd sooner trust son? a crackhead that just received Jesus Christ to tell my kids about salvation because they know the God they've encountered mm-hmm. versus what's going on out here. I it's, got it. Yeah. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. They're, like we've talked about, mm-hmm. you, you said this one time. And maybe you were quoting someone else, but I'm going to give you credit because I remember you saying it. You're saying you think the problem is how they land. I'm telling you they can't land. They can't land. I got that from somebody else. Yeah, I was saying, I was telling, um, it was Kevin Thompson. Okay. I said uh, one day, just in a casual conversation, I said, and it's uh, the Southern Baptist, a lot of good people there, but boy, they're so, uh, such easy prey for being manipulated. I don't trust their leadership. They're... um, incredibly shallow Bible students, and it's apparent by yep. the, way, the whole thing. Well, um, yeah, I, I said, look how careful. They, they, I'm thinking of one pastor in particular that I know has a church of probably about 4,000 people, and I, I know Okay. Him. And I said, man, he's so careful with his words, and how do you, how do you, he, he'll preach a general thing, and it's general, there's nothing really heretical that's being said, nothing, it's nothing, it's not what he's saying that's wrong, it's what he's not saying. Mm-hmm. And I said, how calculate it like that I said I got to give him credit it's like a politician he'll talk for 20 minutes but never say anything yes he's hovering over the trip but he never lands never lands mm-hmm. with that punch I said man he's really working hard to do that and that's what Kevin said and it, it, it hit me like he said I don't think they can land I think this there's a spirit to that thing now that keeps them where they just have no substance they can't land on anything of uh, that's solid and sound and that has any kind of punch to it at all. Something Something's like corrupted. Something's corrupted that, and I don't know what it is, and I'm not trying to... Like, look, I, I've put the disclaimer on the front of each of these videos saying that this is a conversation, and look, you're getting... I'm talking to you and I'm saying stuff. I'm willing to say that I might be wrong on this, but there is something going on there 
because it's the same way. Have you noticed this? This is what I've noticed. If I'm around a bunch of blue-collar guys who are just blue-collar guys mm -hmm. and they're talking normal, they're going to be real transparent. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that their honesty is correct. They're just honest, mm -hmm. right? And they're just transparent. And then I go around a bunch of white-collar office individuals, and I don't feel like anyone is really ever transparent. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're always giving me a corporate version of themselves mm -hmm. or an acceptable version. Very disingenuous. And I don't know what that is. It's almost like they think if they were to say anything, express a real opinion to me, I'm going to expose them or hurt them or whatever. And that's what I'm saying when it comes to some of this corporate church stuff. There's no place in Christianity in, in uh, the ministry. No place. I, I don't know how you can do it. I have to, before I can even preach, I've got to go through a whole process of just, when I step in that pulpit, I want to be as honest and as open as possible. If that means I've got to start that thing by saying, this is where I'm failing right now, and that's why God gave it to me. Because this is, my, this is Joe Carter's problem. Mm -hmm. That's fine, but I have to start it that way. Because mm -hmm. I've got no hope of any... You, you are not going to connect at all by being disingenuous. Well, I agree. But I feel like most of the onboarding people, most of people's onboarding to their relationship to Christ now is a lie. Well, you can't be a salesman and be genuine. Oh, yeah. And, and a, the modern pastor is trying to sell himself. Like you said, trying to sell himself. Um, you got to die to self to be a minister. And not you sacrifice yourself for exalting Christ because you are going to be rejected. You've got to be willing to be rejected because of the offense of the gospel. Never forget, the gospel of Jesus Christ is an offense to man. Yeah. You present it and you offend men and afflict men with that gospel. You're not going to make a lot of friends doing that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But um, <laughs> it's talking about the genuineness and the blue collar. Yeah. I think it was Grady that said this. He said, I'd rather have a man say, I seen it. <laughs> yeah. Just like the crackhead. You yep. said, right? Exactly. I seen it. I seen it. I seen it as a witness when he really saw something, then have the white collar guy, you know, say, I have observed it, but he never saw anything. Mm -hmm. I'll take the guy that say, I seen it. He might use a little bit of uh, flawed uh, uh, grammar, but he really saw something. If I'll I knew who that. said this originally, I want to give them credit for saying it, but I just do not remember who was the first person to coin this, okay? But they said the greatest testimony for Jesus Christ has changed lives. And that's why I use the drug addict example, mm -hmm. because somebody who is genuinely the reason why i feel like you had this you had this happen to you my dad had this happen to him my dad went from i'm a drunk waking up in the middle of nowhere like he's ruining his life to being saved and all of like his life changed so dramatically that there was never any doubt of salvation or anything like that mm -hmm. and you had this similar experience where your life is on the brink and you got saved and, you're, and it's like this like, I know, and then there's no doubt. And then every other kid who grew up in church, they probably had doubts about their salvation, half their Christianity. Yeah, yeah. that's the inoculum. That's what I mean by the synthetic light mm -hmm. drowns out the true light. And you've got just enough of this church environment, which, thank God, I'm so glad I didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, I walked around lost, knowing I was running from God, knowing I was condemned. 
and knew that until I surrendered. And I knew that um, he was who the Bible says he was while I was running from him. I knew he was right and I was wrong. Finally, finally. Uh-huh. My, he was my last resort. <laughs> and, uh, it tried almost other makes things. you feel like you've got more confidence in the guy who says, how'd you get saved? Man, my life was falling apart and I started reading the Bible. Uh-huh. And man, when I started reading the Bible... I just, I was like, man, I believe, God. if this is true, I believe that, God. Mm-hmm. And then their life changed. And I've heard that testimony a lot of times where he wasn't in a church, he wasn't in a religion, he wasn't in, and then this person, all of a sudden, everything changes. There's like a legitimate, something took place. Yeah. Something transformative mm-hmm. and real, and all of that actually happened. And then the other thing is, well, I prayed a prayer. Yeah. Prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer. Right. And I just... So thank God to the prayer. You prayed to the prayer. Did the prayer save you? <laughs> you understand? Or did uh, Ruckman said this one time to get a great example, a man and wife, a lost man, lost woman, sitting in bed at night, reading before they go to bed. He uh-huh. started reading the Bible. He picked up the Bible and he read it about the every night, about thirty minutes, and mm-hmm. then he'd shut the light out. And he's he's um, at the end of the week he looked at her and said, Honey, if what's in this book is true, he's reading his New Testament, he said, uh, I'm lost. Yeah. I am lost and condemned before God. If what's in this book is true. Well, he kept on reading it. And about halfway through the week, he says, Honey, if what's in this book is true, I'm lost, but I can be saved. Then the next night, he's reading it, and he <laughs> stops kind of short after a few minutes, and he looked at her with a tear in his eye and said, If what's in... Honey, if what's in this book is true, then I am saved. Now that's, you figure that out. Yeah. The guy, faith comes by hearing. Hearing hearing by the word of God. You read them. He got lost first though. Exactly. You don't just take a person that's just, you don't, in other words, I've heard somebody say like this. I think that was Grady too. He says, you don't get saved like this. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll take some of the, salvation, yeah, I'll take some. Uh Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't do that. You don't get saved filing your nails. And dividing your attention, you don't just. Oh, I'll take some of that. Just sprinkle some Jesus on this yes. on my life, and 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 you know what? People tell it like they want it to be. A lot of people say because their mama told them they was. I witnessed to a guy. I know we got to probably shut down in a minute, but I, I tell you, one of the worst things, man, is um, I went to witness to one of my old friends. And I went to his house, and his uh, mother always used to try to get me to come to church when I was uh-huh. lost and try to talk to me about the Lord and stuff. I, pre- I believe that's a saved woman. I really do. Yeah. But I finally I went back to her house. It's me and another member of our church. We were just on visitation. I said, I want to go. I'm burdened for this guy. And uh, he still lived at home, early 20s. I think he was in college. And um, he come in there, and just uh, I was able to witness to their dad, to their mom. And basically... The guy sat down on the couch and I said, I want to talk to you about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that you have eternal life? Are you concerned? And he's, uh, he just looked like a deer in the head. Like, yeah. She said his name. I don't want to say his name, but she said his name. She said, so-and-so, you, you were saved. I, I, I remember that. And she, basically, if mama says I am, I guess I am. Yeah. That's basically what happened. Mm-hmm. What did she do? She's trying, just like Uzzah put his hand on the cart. Mm-hmm. She's trying to handle that thing. Best thing she needs to do is get, I ain't helping you with this, son. This is something you got to deal with. But mama trying to help him, and she has good intentions. But yeah. until he, he ain't getting any help from a person that probably cares about him more than anyone in the world. Yeah. And he's not getting any help from her because she's not willing to hurt him. You can shelter people so much 
and just, uh, man, I'm telling you, you, you've got to go through that. The best thing I ever had was the affliction of being lost. Yeah. And the fear of judgment from God and the closure and the reconciliation of coming to Him and the, the peace that surpasseth all understanding of being reconciled with Him and His Spirit bearing witness with my spirit, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit of God uh, gave, gives closure. And, of course, with His Word, you'll get closure that, um, as far as knowing that you are saved. And there's other problems with this, too. Like, salvation you have your bad presentation of the gospel there's some like there's so many ways down this i've got a heart for people who they've gone through the re, the uh, the retread mill several times mm-hmm. you know i've only really preached that one i preached that at the end i was one of the last preachers at that camp meeting we went to in alabama mm-hmm. or youth conference we went to in alabama where i blew out my calf muscle yeah. um i preached that on about retreads. Mm-hmm. And you know who I got that from? Not I got that message from, but somebody, man, who just, he had a handle on this thing. I talked to him not that long ago about this, was Pastor Wido. And he said, he used to tell him, he's like, if you don't know, come down, settle this thing. And can we just go, can we go forward? Can we go forward? Mm-hmm. Like, because what are we going to do? Like, what are you doing? You're going to sit here for another year in my church and be worthless. Now, he wouldn't say those words. He's way too kind. I understand. But if you read through those things, you have just, man, you are broken because you've got no way to move and go. Like, you can't, your your Christian life is so stagnant. And then, man, you are trying to relive the past. You're trying to relive that experience again and again and again Conjure because it's all emotion, you have. Right. It's all you have. And you've never encountered the Lord ever again. I would ask that to anyone about their salvation. Don't tell me how you're, like, I don't even want to, don't give me your testimony. Tell me how God has changed your life. Tell me the last time that he talked to you. Tell me the last time you had an encounter with God. You you believe in this God, right? And this God is eternal and he's indwelling you and he's giving you eternal life. Can you can you tell me anything about how he actually affects your life? Because Moses was willing to die. And Noah was building an ark looking like an insane person when it never rained. Right? Paul said, I bear in my marks, the I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do I do have sympathy to people who haven't found their calling. You and me have talked. I feel like preaching, when I preach, that is the most that I've ever embodied the resurrection in my life. The process of what it takes to take the word of God and make and, and take that fruit. And go up there and die at that pulpit, die to self, distribute that fruit to everybody, and then man, you walk away from that pulpit if you've done it right, drained mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. And you've got to go through the process of getting back getting your up. strength back. And yeah. I, well, I would almost say that not just preaching, it's anytime you surrender to the will of God. Yes. When you're obedient to God, that's when God shows up in your life. Uh, speaking of what you said about we don't, you know, get settled in your salvation. Mm-hmm. And uh, in so many words, the Bible tells you to get over it. Get over it yeah. your salvation. Uh, never, never. Uh, I'll quote to you real quick in Hebrews 6. <clears throat> Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Now, he's talking about the foundation. Watch this. The foundation of repentance is your salvation. Uh, uh, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. 
Uh, and he goes on to talk about, just picture your salvation. Well, my goodness, Jesus Christ is the mm -hmm. chief cornerstone. No, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, other foundation. And no man, no man laid than yeah. that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. It doesn't move. That's your salvation, faith in him. But you build up your spiritual house, edification. That's a Bible word. You're building up that thing. That's telling you, don't depart. It's not neglecting your salvation and, and but it's advancing beyond it. Mm -hmm. And that's what the admonition here is, to go on unto perfection, which is maturity. You see, the context here has to do with growing, growing from milk to meat. It just finished in chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Chapter 6, verse 1 starts with, Therefore, because of this, let's, let's put it in another dress and look at it from a new angle. Leaving those things... Get oh, and a lot of folks can't. I was at a camp meeting one time. Uh, you might have been there too. It was uh, Andrews, Charlie Andrews. I don't know that I was. It was, a, it, was a, it was a youth camp meeting. We went by the lake. Were you at there? Yeah, you were there. It the was lake. The, we went to that big lake. Had that lake house. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. He stood up. Yeah. That pastor <laughs> said. Uh, I'd like to hear some testimonies, but I don't want to hear anybody. I don't want to hear about your salvation. Yes. I want to hear about something. What has God done? What is? Uh, tell me about a victory mm -hmm. since you've been saved. That was a good time. Because a lot of folks, when they give their testimony, yeah, it's ninety-five percent of how bad a guy was and all the yep. junk I did, did in Jesus Christ saving. And that's really not a good testimony. Yeah, you just talk about you and you and you get way through all that stuff, man. And uh, tell tell me, uh, this is what we did on Wednesday nights. I said I took that Hebrews chapter eleven, and it's by faith, and then it gives an example of what by faith everyone did. By faith, what happened? If I wrote by faith Kirby Tab, and then I put a blank space there, yeah, and then in that blank space you had to fill up what happened by faith, right? And that's. Not saving faith, no. But that's living faith. That's faith for service, faith unto service, and yieldingness to the will of God. And I think, like I, I, I now I'll gig a Calvinist on this in a heartbeat. Saving faith, believing stuff like that. They don't like terms like that, do they? Well, not that. Not say, like they'll say things like that when they're trying to different, like they're trying to differentiate between. Uh, Basically, God can give you this sort of grace for this, but it's not for salvation, and this sort of faith for this. And it's like, all right, well, show me the verse that says saving faith. The same faith is that the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you. The same thing that's going to execute the faith for service is the same thing that's going to execute the faith for salvation. It's the same Holy Spirit of God that saved me, mm -hmm. right? That I'm then going to be an instrument for in this world for the Lord Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that me doing works is what saves me, which I think is the, the differentiation you're trying to make. Mm -hmm. That essentially, by faith, I do accomplish works. That does not mean that the works I accomplish are somehow my salvation, mm -hmm. right? And that's essentially what you're trying to say. You, you got faith in that chair right there. You rested in that yes. chair. Yes. Okay. That's, that's, that's not faith unto salvation. Yeah. But you could have, that's how your faith works. Yeah. If you're resting in Jesus Christ, like... You, if, if I don't trust this chair, mm -hmm. if I really didn't trust this chair, but I say that I did, I'm, I'm going to be posting on this table. I'm yeah. really, you ever work on a ladder? One time, mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I was on a ladder one day painting. That's when I, I was uh, saved painting. Uh -huh. uh, I was painting. That's a low point in my life. I, <laughs> I promise you, I was painting houses. But um, I remember the experienced painter that I was working with, 
my arches and my, my legs were sore. I said, man, I'm worn out because I was like 30 feet up trying uh -huh. to do an eve and stuff. And just, he laughed at me with a cigar in his mouth. He said, you don't trust that ladder. Yeah. He said, that's why you're tired. You, mm -hmm. you ain't, he said, you're not resting yep. in that ladder. That ladder's going to hold you. Mm -hmm. Okay. You got to, I was tensed up, ready to spring off, yeah. find an escape route because I'm just so high up. And man, that's just enough yeah. fall not to kill me, but it's going to maim me, you know? Yeah. And I just, and that's what it was. Well, think about how that is. Your salvation, I'm trusting in this year. I'm not touching anything. Now, here, I'm, oh, you're Jesus Christ, but also my good life and mm -hmm. my, my sacraments and, um, uh, my water baptism and a dozen other yeah. things. I'm, I'm trusting. You're not trusting Jesus. When you're saved, you're resting in the finished redemptive work of Christ and what mm -hmm. he did for you on the cross and trusting in that he was indeed resurrected. You, the gospel yeah. of Jesus Christ, you appropriate by faith and by receiving him. Just like that ladder. A lot of folks can't rest. They're worn out as Christians because they're not. They can't rest just like the ladder. They, they are just trying to do some stuff. They just don't have confidence. Whether they're saved or not, they just don't have it's just like those semantics. Why? How much of my life do I have to give? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever given all my life. Have you ever given all your life to Jesus, or have you saved some for Joey? I think this is the thing. If you have, if you approach, if you approach your salvation from that perspective, then you're going to have as intermittent peaks of confidence when you have encounters with the Lord, if you have them, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a best version of you, and there's a best version of me. And that best version of me is only reached during very, man, you can't sustain it. It's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like um, Samson was not always breaking down the temple, killing the Philistines, mm -hmm. right? Like that's not how it was always expressed. And I think that's what Paul's trying, he's like, I die daily. Man, it is, it is a process, man, of you, of, of that, you're gonna you're gonna set up a pattern off of salvation, which is your utter surrender to God. Right? I have completely surrendered. I'm like, man, Lord, like I said, Lord, whatever, whatever it is, dude. If 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 it really took me lobbing off this arm right now, and that's what it took, I'd do anything. You say and believe on you. I'm believe. I'm believe. Whatever. If you'd come up to me and said that Bible said anything, and you showed me the verse, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. I, yep, that's true. Mm -hmm. Whatever it was, sure. right? And so that, that is not sustainable because you're in the flesh, right? Mm -hmm. And then six weeks from now, you're going to be struggling with something or you're going to be whatever, whatever's going to happen. But I think that that's where the whole thing of people, I, I don't really know that I would even express it this way, but they would be like, I don't feel saved, right? You know what I mean? They would equate that feeling or that peak of being in tune with God at your best with feeling saved, and I've never equated that to my salvation. I've always equated that to I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. right? Like, or you're like in attunement, and maybe that's a better way to say it. Like, it's like, man, I I've stepped away from the pulpit. Have you ever done this? You preached a message, and everyone else likes it, and something inside of you is dissatisfied. Not probably. I can't think of any particular time, but um, yeah, I've been surprised that it blessed so many people before. Like I'll hear later that folks got something out of that. I've done that because I know that it wasn't what it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And then there's times where I've stepped out of the pulpit and I don't think anyone liked it and I knew I would do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I knew I preached what I was I'm supposed sure. to preach. Yeah. Now I'm using that as an example because that's a, look, as a preacher, 
that I would say this, whatever God's called you to do and however you can fulfill the work of the ministry, that's going to be how you encounter the Lord, mm -hmm. especially as you go along. Me and um, a lady from our church were just talking about this, talking about the emotionalism, right? I was like, it, you're accessing the Lord emotionally. And then when you make this transition to where you're accessing the Lord through study and through these other things, now you've got a completely different relationship with the Lord. I was so excited about what I was talking to you earlier about the Lord just giving me this nugget. And all I was doing was reading my Bible. And it doesn't look that exciting. It's not, there's not some music playing in the background and any of yeah. that. But I'm really having an actual encounter with the Lord, and I feel like he is, the Holy Spirit of God is showing me something through his word. And I feel like people have no idea what I'm talking about right now. I've talked from the pulpit about that, and it's just like blank faces. Mm. It's like, you've never encountered the Lord that way? Mm. Is the only time, I've asked that question, is the only time you've ever encountered the Lord when somebody up gets up and distributes the grace of God that God has given them? Basically, you are just a spiritual leech on your church, mm -hmm. and you have never added anything of any benefit to it at all? Mm -hmm. Very very few people access uh, encounter the Lord through Scripture reading, because very few people read the Bible. They, they, they trust the church to be the dispensary for the um, presence of God. Yes. And that's even in good churches. But um, as far as the salvation thing, God is... <coughs> The Holy Spirit of God doesn't play tricks on us. He is not trying to trick us and deceive us and, and to cause us to... Doubt doesn't come from the Holy Spirit of God. He's the God of all peace and the yeah. God of all comfort. And He wants you to have the confidence to rest in Him. Now, I guess you would say uh, there's places in the Bible that clearly show and teach that you could lose your understanding. Yeah. Because of, well... I think it of First um, John chapter two. I think it's verse three. Hereby we know that we know him. No, yeah. If we there's a condition. If we keep his commandments, thank God it doesn't say we know him. If we keep his yeah. commandments, we all fall short. But you know that you know him. And I think it's another place over in First Peter that's talking about the being blind because you can't see afar off. And mm -hmm. You forgot that you were purged from your old sins. Yeah. Now, yeah, with sin that can muddy the waters. But that's that's uh, when we talk about relationship. If we were tech, practically we use relationship as good standing with each other or, or a good dynamic between us and we got a good relationship. Well, relationship is based upon um, the new birth. You're, we are related or we're not. Okay? Yeah, I and was using relationship like this. Like, like you have a son and he is your son biologically, mm -hmm. right? But then y'all's relationship is completely dependent on his behavior. Well, our fellowship is. Technically, it's our fellowship. Yes, but that's what I mean when I yeah. say relationship. Right. And, and, and that's a whole standing state thing. Right. And the I, Bible uses semantics, like in First John, for example, our walk and our service. Yes. Relationship. I mean, uh, sorry, fellowship. We have fellowship with God. And you can lose that. You can lose fellowship with God. My children, could, and we would say practically relationship, but technically it's fellowship. Sonship is not contingent upon any behavior at all. It's contingent upon being born. Person's born again, he is a child of God, no matter what his behavior. His behavior didn't make him a child of God. He received Christ and became yeah. a child of God, and that does not ever go away. So that's And like I think it's good to kind of hit I, I've talked about this a lot with well, uh, I won't get there definitely needs to be a conversation where you're saying, 
all right, look, here's some things doctrinally that you can understand. And then here's the practical application of this. Like we did the other day in Wednesday night service when I was going through, by your fruits you shall know them, and the same fountain ought not both to bring both sweet and bitter. Practically, if someone does not in any way embody anything that has to do with God, them telling me that they got saved and they prayed a prayer does not give me a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. But technically, if they did believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if they did, and if they did, and if they did, and if they did, then they are. But it's practically useless, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a conditional truth that doesn't facilitate itself in the world today, other than for a Christian who is saved right now to understand, just because you've sinned doesn't mean you're lost. Just because you're struggling with sin doesn't mean you're lost. 1 Corinthians 5 tells us there was a man in that church that was committing fornication unrepentantly, probably died in that sin, and he said that the Spirit might be saved in the day of redemption. Mm -hmm. So he was saved, but he was in sin, and he was in unrepentant sin. I think he got right, though. Uh, 2 Corinthians shows that he was received again. Oh, was he received again? Uh, Yeah, Paul writes about it in... uh... I don't want to get into that too that's much. That's good. Yeah, that'd be good. I don't think I said that. But um, yeah, that's that's First Corinthians five is where it's laid out what he had done and by to the break time fellowship you get to with Second Corinthians. That young man gets restored. He does get restored. I'm pretty again. sure. I hope I'm right, man. Now that'd you got good. me wanting to look at. Say, let me find that. Just uh, go on your hunt. Mm-hmm. We'll leave the people with something good. Where is this at? Where is this at? Okay, Second Corinthians chapter two. Watch this. Now this is, we know about Second Corinthians, First Corinthians one five, right? First Corinthians five. I'm sorry, five. Yeah, he is turned over to Satan for the destruction of the what? Flesh. The flesh. So you better learn the difference between the flesh and the spirit if you're going to talk about salvation, right? Yeah. Okay, because he says in chapter two verse one, but I determined this with myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness. This is about all of that incest thing. For if I make you sorry, who is then he that maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me? And I wrote this same unto you, he's talking about the last time, lest when I came I should have sorrow from them whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, this is about that incident, not that ye should be grieved, but ye should, might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you, but if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, uh, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise, watch it, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. And to this end also did I, I did right, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. So, apparently he... Not necessarily, you don't have closure with restoration, but that's what Paul's saying. That's that guy that was turned over to the Satan for the destruction of flesh. He said, don't shun him too much, lest he's over sorrow, and you, just, you, you, you afflict him enough to receive him again. There can be comfort and closure. Do you see that? I don't ever think I made the connection that that was the same person. It looks like it. Do you see it? it looks I like could it see, yeah, it's a possibility for sure. For I mean, sure. what else would he be mentioning? That, that was the most grievous thing. In First Corinthians is that young man. That whole letter is so strong, though, man, because um, so, it doesn't get any lighter when you get into six and seven with what he's telling them. But yeah, for sure, that's that's kind um, of I've never seen that. Yeah, it, it it looks to me like uh, it's connected with. Uh, 
1 Corinthians 5. Anyway, just something to consider against, you know, considering a lot of things about behavior because that's pretty bad behavior. <laughs> and uh, behavior has nothing to do with your salvation. Not one thing in this world has to do with your service. And you'll lose. What all could you lose? Name some things you could lose without losing your salvation. I think that there's a wide gap between heaven and hell, right? Like to sit there and say that because I'm not going to hell, there's nothing to lose. Practically, you could lose everything in this life and in the next and still go to heaven. Right. You know? You have eternal life, but you could lose your inheritance. Yes. Uh, there's a millennial inheritance, a, a reward at the judgment seat of Christ. And not, like you said, in this life. You lose your understanding. You could lose your testimony. Lose your family. Yeah. You could lose your job. You could lose your future. Uh -huh. You could wake up sixty years old with no hope, living by yourself, trying to convince yourself day after day to stay right. alive and be saved. Mm -hmm. Pretty yeah, terrible way to end your life, you know. And then, what's your hope of the future? Mm -hmm. All you get to do is reap the rewards of what you did on earth here, and all you did is ruin your life here and everyone else's lives around you because you were. Caught up in wickedness and sin? That's a pretty bleak, bleak life and afterlife. Now, I mean, look, it's better than hell, you know, but there's people outside the gate in heaven too. Mm -hmm. You know, there's inheritance for those Gentiles that's not inside of New Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. um, anyhow, so I, I want to think of a good way to wrap this up, but... Uh, Man, I feel like I could I could talk to you more about this topic, and I know that we spider webbed all over the place, but um, I don't know. I like that. I like that that ending. That was good.